Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I am so honored today because I have Rita Baksh with me, and she is a certified life coach, mentor, speaker, and founder whose mission is to inspire, educate, and empower others to become the best version of themselves. She promotes positive vibes and sends high energy back into the world, one woman at a time through coaching and clothing. Her story consists of challenges, hardships, and setbacks, but through personal development, mindset shifts, and radical change, she's transformed her life and become the woman she is today. Because of her own breakthrough, Rita understands the struggles and now dedicates her focus to helping the woman she was achieve similar results through coaching, mentoring, workshops, clothing, and her online presence. Rita believes we all have a story with her three-pronged approach. She helps guide, empower, and educate others on how to speak volumes by amplifying their mic, mindset, image, and confidence. When she says image, it's not just about the way you look, but it's about the way you feel. In addition, her focus on emotional wellness, Rita is also a wife, proud mama bear of two, recovering people pleaser, inspirational t-shirt designer, coffee enthusiastic, uh, and lover of life. Thank you so much for being here today, Rita. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Caroline. Thank you. It's an honor to be on your show. Uh, it's an honor to have you. And we go a few years back, and I'm just so honored to have you here today because I remember the beginning of your journey, and now you are here today. So if you could let us know, in a nutshell, what your journey has been like to get you here today. It has been quite a journey. I will tell you that. Um, thank you for my bio and introducing me to your audience. And so just to elaborate on that, I, I've been in corporate America, gosh, I don't know, 25-ish plus years. And I've had the ability to train, mentor, and coach. I was coaching before coaching was such a buzzword, right? We hear it so often now, but I've been in that capacity for a long time. And I absolutely love that. I would train women, men, but a lot of it was based on their corporate initiatives or corporate directives, right? There was always a corporate goal that I was training or mentoring other people to do. But what I realized is there's commonalities amongst everyone. The reason that they weren't able to achieve the goal is because it all fell back on personal development right? It has to do with limiting beliefs. It has to build with an inner critic. There's so many things I'm sure you can relate as far as your business and your clients, yeah. but there's a lot of commonalities that I kept seeing. And mm -hmm. so, like I said, it all went back to personal development and that's where I really developed my love and my passion for helping others, mm -hmm. helping others to succeed and, you know, really become the person that they want to be. Mm -hmm. So my dad actually unexpectedly passed away back in 2014. And what that did was force me to really reassess my life and reassess what was important to me. And so although I was working in corporate, I was making a great living, I wasn't fulfilled. And I felt like I was doing everything for someone else, right? And I was following the paycheck, following the money, but I wasn't fulfilled. When you're younger, a lot of times we look for that financial reward, right? Because we're looking extrinsically for something to fulfill us. 
-hmm. after my dad died. And that's just the, the, you know, the reason for the change to make me go inward, I wanted to be fulfilled intrinsically. And so when I realized, and it took me a while, this wasn't an overnight thing. Like, you know, I want to become a coach. Like it totally didn't happen that way. I really, really, you know, dove deep and just tried to figure out what do I love? What fills me up? What puts a smile on my, my face and in my heart? And then I realized it was helping people because that's what I loved in every single role that I had. So then I decided to launch my own business where I'm solely focusing on personal development. And I really love helping women because quite honestly, I'm helping the woman that I was, right? Because I was that girl that had the inner critic, the mean ass inner critic, the limiting beliefs. I felt stuck and overwhelmed, even though I was high achieving and I felt like I had a lot of wonderful things in my life at the time, I was still unhappy. There was still something that was missing. And so when women say that, like, I feel guilty for wanting more, but I don't know what the more is. And I feel stuck. I feel lost you know, all the things I get that I get that so much. And I was able to pivot and change and unlock a version of myself that has been amazing. And I've done that through, you know, a resource, like a whole team of resources, really. I've gone through years of, of counseling. I've done a lot of personal development, right? There's all of these things. And now that I have the tools and I've had coaches on my own. And so once I realized that, you know what, I can do this. I can change. And I'm so much happier. I wanted to help other women do the same thing. And basically I want to help the woman that I was. So that is why the long version of why I decided to become a coach and to start my own business. And it's been amazing. Yes. No. And just following along in your journey, you have accomplished so much, but it's also goes back to the shift and the changes because especially when you feel trapped. And I know I did when I was like back in practicing therapy, loved what I was doing. Right. And, but at the same time, there that fulfillment. And I'm sure so many people can relate to that. Just hearing your story as well of just how you might feel just stuck. There's nothing wrong with the environment. It's just what's internally happening and really being able to follow that. And you did, because that can be really risky or really yeah. uncomfortable and the limiting beliefs, like you said, and the inner critics and everything that might go on mindset wise, but right. pushing through that. And I love, that's what Mike is all about. Like the first one, it's mindset, really diving into that and the personal development so I'm curious with all the things that had happened through your journey, what has been maybe one or two roadblocks that really almost stopped you in your tracks of like, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this or I don't want to or anything like that. Maybe you didn't have that, but maybe you did. Oh, totally. Totally <laughs> had that. Oh my gosh. Well, the pandemic, you know, this little thing we call the pandemic, that, uh, that was fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like the year of the pandemic, I had several speaking engagements lined up, which was amazing. And then they all got canceled. And, uh, you know, meeting people face to face, I actually love that energy. Oh my gosh, Caroline, like just feeding off of people, zoom meetings are great. Virtual meetings are great. But for me personally, because I speak in energy. So I really love that one-on-one -on -one connection. And of course we weren't, we didn't have the ability to do that. So within my business, I had to pivot and I had to shift and it wasn't something that I would have chosen for myself or my business. But um, it was something, it forced us to be creative, right? Mm -hmm. But what I realized in that year of the pandemic, I wasn't hitting any of my numbers. 
I wasn't hitting all of these uh, goals that I had set for me because I was on a momentum. I was on an upward trajectory. And then when the world shut down, I felt like my business did too. And I started to become or feel defeated. Right. And I think as an entrepreneur, that one of the things that we don't necessarily spend a lot of time focusing on is the mindset piece. So when we're talking about Mike, like a lot of things that I work with my clients are, are the three pronged approach that you, you spoke about in my, in my bio and it's mindset image and confidence. And when I say image, right, it's not just about the way that you look, but it's about the way that you feel the way that you show up. And so because I wasn't hitting those numbers and my targets, I started to, my default setting started to enter back into my head. The imposter syndrome. Can I do this? Why am I doing this? Am I capable of doing this? Am I fraud? You know, all of the things. And so it was the mindset piece that I wasn't a hundred percent ready to take on this business within the, the pandemic and all of those things. Mm -hmm. So it did get to a point where I was burning out. And this was in the very beginning of my business too, where I was working nonstop. I mean, I was hustling. I would, um, anytime I was doing something, I was learning, driving, listening to a podcast, listening to educational, you know, video material. I'm in the shower. Same thing. I got a waterproof speaker just so I could listen. I mean, nonstop. I would fall asleep with my iPad or my phone, like on my stomach because it was in the middle of a training. Yeah, it was you know, the life of a new entrepreneur. I can relate. <laughs> you can relate. Right? So yes. many of us do yeah. this. Like I was mm-hmm. so thirsty and hungry for it, yeah. but I had no time for myself. So mm-hmm. when I was working with my clients, the clients that I did have, I was then trying to teach them how to have balance, but I myself was not living a balanced life. And mm-hmm. so I felt like a hypocrite. And there was a lot of things that I had to kind of dial back and really reassess as a business owner and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. So those were a couple of things. The balance, that was one. The not meeting my expectations or my goals, that was another one. And my mindset not being in the right place. So those were three things in the beginning of my business that was a, a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. And so what I really did to combat that is remember the tools, right? Remember what I was taught. Remember, listen to what I'm actually teaching other women to do and, and live that and be that and become more mindful. I know a lot of people use those terms and it just sounds great, but that at the end of the day, what does that really mean? Yeah. And so, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to look different for everybody. Yeah. It, And so for me, I would say, um, just as a word of advice, like if there was something that I could have done differently, I would have really reassessed my targets of what success looks like, Mm. because what success looks like for me may be different from what it looks like for you or, you know, Suzanne, Joanne, Lucy, like everybody's going to have a different target of what defines success. Mm -hmm. And once I actually took time to do that, I realized that I was successful because it wasn't just about meeting a certain number. It was also about engagement. It was also about interaction and feedback and all of these things that filled my cup, but I wasn't paying attention because I was so focused on this number, because in my mind, this number equated to success when in fact, that was not my true definition of success. 
you were spot on on that, like with success, because so many people have this idea of like success and what it maybe looks like in a book or something like that. But it's reality is what is successful to us. It might be a number, but it might also be our relationships, engagement, being able to take care of ourselves, having that balance. Because I know just like you in the beginning, I was constantly my mm -hmm. podcast, everything I was working, but then I have a YouTube like audio in the background. Like it was just nonstop. And I think a lot of times in the beginning, because you are thirsty, you all want to like learn so much and absorb everything around you. However, you're not going to be able to take care of yourself if you're just constantly going, you have no downtime. So I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that I think is a hard transition, especially if you've been working so hard in like your previous job or career, and then you pivot into something else because it's new and exciting. It will also potentially burn you out if you don't, you're not careful. But I mm -hmm. love that you brought up the success piece because I think it's really true. What it looks like for everybody is different and getting so clear on it for yourself, but other people listening too, understanding that it's not going to be black and white. There's a lot of gray there of what it looks like and how that can really transpire, but it doesn't have to be a number. I mean, if that's what your success is, cool. <laughs> but right. if it's not, right. that's okay too. And I think that's important to recognize. And I'm glad that we're talking about that because I don't think it's talked about enough where it's showing to everybody is different and everyone's coming from a different lens. Mm -hmm. So looking mm -hmm. at that, but thank you for sharing those roadblocks as well, because I think they're very transparent across the board for so many people and understanding what makes sense and what doesn't. And even with just all the success you have had, because I know you've had lots of clients in different capacities, and I have a soft spot for the teen girls. And I would love for you to share um, one about a client success story, but also about the groups that you've run as well. Well, yes. Thank you for asking. You know, during the pandemic, so towards the end of the year, yeah. I had already planned it from the beginning of the year that I was going to do an in-person teen workshop. Mm -hmm. And this was based on all the self core values, self-love, self-respect, self-worth, mm -hmm. self-care, you know, all the things. Right. And like I said, the pandemic, like if I had a dollar for every time I said pandemic in this, in this interview, I mean, it'd be everybody, I think everybody can really, <laughs> right. So, so with that, I mean, I still, I still did it. And I know that, so I had, um, I had a handful of girls because of course there were a, a lot of parents that were a little apprehensive of doing an in-person, which I completely yeah. understood, but luckily the space that I had that, you know, um, the people over there, they were wonderful. They gave me their largest room just so I could space everyone out in a great manner. It was phenomenal. And running that filled my cup so much to be able to teach these girls about things that you would never really think of at that age. You know, I did some market research on that. And I asked women, you know, over 30, I asked a hundred women, what is something that you wish you were taught back in your teen years that, you know, was hard for you to learn as an adult. And so I took all of those answers and I compiled a workshop and I built a program around it. And it was just wonderful. There was actually one girl in there that came up to me afterwards and she thanked me. There were tears in her eyes. And she's like, I never even thought about self-love and what that meant and self-respect. And she said to me about self-care, there were so many girls that didn't really understand what self-care meant. Mm -hmm. A lot of them said, oh yeah, my mom will go get a massage or a mani-pedi. And I said, well, that's just a physical form of self-care, but self-care is so much more and mm -hmm. understanding the importance of it. So for me, if I said one thing that might change their trajectory as they go into adulthood, 
that for me was worth the entire event. And so I absolutely, yes, mentoring teen girls, that's a soft spot, a passion for me as well. Mm -hmm. And of course I take on a lot of adult uh, women clients. Mm -hmm. I, I take on moms, entrepreneurs, very high achieving women in business executives, because that is my background. That's what I came from. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, I have noticed a lot of similarities. It doesn't matter where we come from, right? Our background, our nationality, religion, upbringing, any of that stuff. What you're going to see as we get older, we have the same feelings. It may be different reasons why we have those feelings, but it's the same things over and over. So one of my most recent clients, she was amazing. She came to me and, you know, her family, she felt like they were, they were a little demanding and she felt like she always had to be there. She always had to say yes to everything. And she's, she, she's given more than she's getting back. And I know, you know where I'm going with this. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. hundred percent. She was a people pleaser, right? <laughs> yes. You and I both are recovering people pleasers. We are. There's an anonymous group having. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's our support group. So, I, and this is what I see a lot. And sometimes women don't even realize that they're a people pleaser, mm-hmm. but they just don't know how to say no. And for me in my story, like I kept saying yes all the time because saying yes and showing up meant that others would accept me and acceptance equated to love. And so I had a very distorted um, vision of what I thought love was and self-love and all of those things. And so I'm seeing this a lot in my clients. And so she came in and she was just feeling low and she was stuck and she felt lost. And so what we did and what I do with a lot of my clients is I help her to set boundaries. And most often, I mean, there could be time boundaries, physical boundaries, boundaries with other people. But the thing, when you say a boundary and someone isn't familiar with it, they think that it's like, um, you know, like a punishment, like it's keeping, it's keeping someone out. It's like an ultimatum. And that's not what it is. A boundary is meant to protect what's in here. It's meant to protect your peace. And usually the people who get upset by you setting in boundaries are the ones that actually need the boundary. hundred percent. hundred percent. So they don't like you're standing your ground. <laughs> right. And they, and they just don't understand it. And yeah. a lot of women, they come in and they feel guilty. Like I can't do this. I can't turn the focus inward because that means I'm being selfish. Yeah. And so for this particular client, she was wonderful, right? Because she was just like I was looking at taking time for yourself means you're taking time away from your loved ones. And she felt guilty. There's the mom guilt. There's the wife guilt. And I so get that. But when you focus on yourself and what I helped her to see, it's not saying that you matter more. It's saying that you matter as well. Like you matter too. Mm -hmm. And when we can give from a place of abundance, when we feel like we are renewed and regenerated and nourished, Mm -hmm. then we can actually give more when we're giving from a place of scarcity, like, okay, I'm running. I got to be, I got to be somewhere all the time. I have to be that person for everyone. We are running, we are at a deficient level, right? We're completely depleted. And that's when you start to see women are getting burnt out. They're short tempered, they're overwhelmed. And what they're doing is they're blowing up and they're losing their cool in different situations. And then they're sitting in regret. And they're like, how can I get out of this, this bullshit pattern, right? Because it's just round and round. It's a vicious cycle. How do I get off of the hamster wheel? And that's what this client, I was able to help her open the door, 
gracefully step mm-hmm. off that hamster wheel. And now she has so much more balance. She's mm-hmm. so much happier. And she actually said in the beginning, it was difficult to set the boundaries, especially with her loved ones, but then they begin to respect it and they understand it. And so she feels like she has healthier relationships now because of it. Oh, it's so amazing to hear like just the work that you've done, like helping her realize too how boundaries a lot of times outside of just people thinking like it's a punishment, it's also a way of respect and honoring ourselves as well. And that's exactly what it sounds like had happened for your client of understanding that this is going to create healthier relationships because I mean, like, I love talking about boundaries too, but it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're on the same page, but I think too, it's really interesting how your relationships shift so much when you start to really respect yourself and honor what you need. And a lot of times that mom guilt or any kind of guilt comes into play because you want to be there, but at the same time, you have to be there for yourself first. Like I always say, put yourself at the top of the priority list because a lot of times people aren't even on their priority list. They're like either on the bottom or nowhere to be found. So it's being able to recognize that. And I love that's what you really help your clients with. And going back to the teen girls, I think that's amazing that the one girl came up to you and just the emotion she was feeling of recognizing what self-love is and self-care. It's not just the physical stuff. It's all the internal stuff. Like boundaries is a part of self-care as well of being able to really acknowledge what you need and you know, I think it's so important that you're teaching them so young so they can have those healthier relationships when they get older. I think that's just being able to implement that or plant the seed. Maybe if they don't even get it right then and there, they can realize when they become adults and are in relationships, family, Mm -hmm. friends, significant other business relationships, whatever it is. But boundaries are so key in anything we do because it is respecting ourselves and honoring that. Um, so I just love that. That was the experience that your client had as well. And I know that's just one of the many and several. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And you know, then that that's one of the things too, right? Because we don't know what we don't know. And especially being a young adult, you really don't know what these things are until, you know, it starts chipping away at you and maybe you're not making the best decisions and you don't realize why. So just even having a glimpse of even the word, like what is, you know, self-value, self-love, self-respect, It's like you deserve more, right? You have Mm -hmm. to put yourself first. I think that it just really, you could see like a shift in the room. Like the the girls were like, wait, what? (laughs) So I actually have a really great um, picture and I have a video, a short little video on YouTube of some of the highlights from that workshop. Mm -hmm. And it was so great. There's that one image of all the girls just closing their eyes, hugging themselves. And it was such a powerful moment for me as a coach to see that Mm -hmm. because the girls felt moved. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was really wonderful. Oh, that's beautiful. And I think I saw that too a while back. Yeah. It's incredible. The power and the shift. And also too, a lot of times we don't learn growing up those Mm -hmm. things. Like if our parents didn't learn it from their parents, just, it wasn't taught to them. So they don't know. So they're learning. So even I'm sure a lot of your teen girls have been able to implement that for your, their moms or dads or anyone they live with as well, like from their shift, because they're learning from each other essentially. That's a, such a great point. It's a ripple effect, right? And so I take so much pride in what mm-hmm. I'm doing right now, because that's exactly what it is. When we're talking about being intrinsically fulfilled, mm-hmm. it's like you take that and then you help others, right? You help your peers, you, you help your parents. I love that you brought that up because so many times, right? Cause I do believe like my parents did the best they could with what they had. Exactly. Right? Yes. But right. So now what I realized back then, um, mm-hmm 
the woman that I was, I, I realized what I was doing. I was taking the recycled lessons I had learned from my parents and using that as the blueprint on how to live my life. Because like I said, we don't know what we don't know. And so in learning all of this stuff and in getting certified and my, you know, all my years in corporate America, all of those things, life experiences, upbringing, circumstances, you mesh all of that together and you can do amazing things. Mm -hmm. So kind of tying that back to deciding to start my own business. Mm -hmm. I took all of that and I realized you know, I do know something about something, right? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> that imposter syndrome where I'm like, can I do this? I don't know. You know, the doubt started to fill, but when you really sit down and assess your life and you look at all the things that you've been through, yeah, you have a story. We all have a story, mm-hmm. right? And Absolutely. it's your ability. And I feel like your responsibility to help others if, and when you can, because there is that ripple effect and you were creating a better world because when we know better, we can do better. My angel. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. I mean, I think we should hear that every day. (laughs) I agree. I agree hundred (laughs) percent because it's true. It's true. And I'm curious because I know you don't just coach and mentor as well, but you also have a clothing line. Can you share a little bit of that journey? Because it's not something that we've talked a lot about on here, but I would love to hear your experience of why you decided to start the clothing line. And I know you have other things too, outside of clothing, but what was that pivotal moment of, I want to start this and what has that looked like thus far? Oh, I love telling this story. (laughs) So, so, you know, being on this whole personal development journey and changing my life and changing my frequency, right? Because your mindset is the way that you view the world and you view yourself. And so it really is a high. It's almost, you know, it hits that dopamine, the endorphins. You just look at life so much differently if you're able to make that shift. And so once I did, like I was big into wearing, you know, like positive clothing and something uplifting. Mm -hmm. And I kept, I was on the search and I kept looking and looking and looking, and I wasn't finding anything that I liked. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling my son that my son at the time, gosh, I think he was maybe 12 at the Mm -hmm. time. And I remember telling him, you know what, son, I think I want to design some clothing. And he's Mm -hmm. like, he was so cute. He's like, mom, he was just like, that sounds really amazing. He's like, but I think you're trying to do too much too soon. I think you need to be in business for a couple of years and then you can start developing merch as they call it merchandise, yeah, but merch, <laughs> the young lingo. Yes. But he's like, then you can get merch. I think that that's what you should do, mom. And so I dropped him off at school that morning. And I didn't know anything about designing t-shirts or even how to implement that or any, anything, but I decided I was going to learn. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, um, just as a caveat in the story is whenever we feel like we don't know how to do something, add the word yet behind that sentence, those three little letters changes everything. Because once we say we don't know how to do something, well, I don't know how to start a podcast or I don't know how to launch a clothing line it ends right there because your brain has already accepted that you don't know how to do it. But when you add the word yet to the end, I don't know how to start a clothing line yet. It allows your brain to then find creative ways to do so. So girl, I got home. I was all about developing this, this design, being able to do it. And so I did, I started creating designs and I found a way, you know, to sell it on Amazon and It was so cool because I, once my link was live, I sent it to my son. I picked him up from school and I said, did you see the link I sent you? 
And he opens it and he looks at it and he's like, oh, that's a cool shirt, mom. He was just like, what is this? And I said, that's my shirt, bud. And I said, that's mommy's shirt. And he, his mind was just blown. And it was a teachable moment because if you want something, you can do it. You can find a way. You know, the, a lot of times the biggest obstacles are ourselves thinking that we can't do it or we don't know how to do it. And like I said, it ends there. And so I call the, the clothing line positivities because they're t-shirts that empower, inspire, and really just, like I said before, I want it to have a ripple effect. I'm trying to send high energy and vibes back into the world one woman at a time. So I just absolutely love my clothing. <laughs> uh, I love it too. Honestly, when I first saw Thank it, you. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing because you're right. There's not anything really out there like that, at least that I've come across as well. But I think it's just, yeah. it goes back to your character and your integrity of who you are as a woman, but also putting that back out in the world for others to feel that. And when we wear things that we feel good, like yes. it goes back to like your messaging as well. It's the image of from the inside out. And part of that is clothing. And, um, so I'm curious because of everything that you've done, what has been two or three things that you wish you would have known when you started your coaching mm -hmm. business and also the apparel as well? Let me see a couple of things that I would have done differently. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about that before was setting the targets. Yes. Right. Because I just thought I was following the dollar sign. And for mm -hmm. me personally, like, like you said before, if that is your target, then great. But for me, it wasn't. So I just really needed to identify what that was. Mm -hmm. I would do that differently because I think that would have saved me some heartache in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I would also, um, when it comes to failing, mm -hmm. I wish I would have embraced it more. I've learned this along the way, but in the beginning, failing and my definition of failing at the time, it was hard right? If, if I tried something, maybe it was marketing, maybe it was a group program, maybe it was an offer and it just flopped. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was an indication of my worth Yeah. when in fact it isn't right. Mm -hmm. It not at all. Right. We, we try things and yes, we fail, but failing isn't a bad word. Like it's not a dirty F word. Mm -hmm. Failing is something that's, that should be welcomed in every entrepreneurial journey. Because failing is just equivalent to lessons. And so if we can take the lesson, right, mm -hmm. as you well know, if we can take the lesson and learn from it, then we can then be, become successful because so many people will fail their way into success, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Because, and the ones who don't are the ones who quit because have you heard, you know, when they say, you know, you will fail 500 times, but you just found 500 ways of doing something that doesn't work, but you keep going. Right. And yep. so, so in the beginning, when I started to feel a little defeated, I would fail and then I would be crushed and <laughs> I would just, I would become stagnant. Right. Then I go, you know, I, it would take me a little while to get out of it. And I think that my, my recommendation for any entrepreneur going in, when it comes to your mindset, you really have to prepare for the fail, for the failure and for the success, because it, sometimes we're not even mentally prepared for the success part. Yeah. But for me, the failure, I would recommend seriously, like really looking at that as, as lessons, remove the word failure with lessons and create a journal. This is something that I did along the way, but this is something I would tell a new entrepreneur starting out. Every time you fail at something, write it down and then allow yourself a creative way of trying something else and write that down. And if that doesn't work, try something else, write that down. 
And so what that then, what that then does is creates a Bible for you. You had challenges and now you know what to do to still, still achieve your goal without compromising the mission, right? Change the method, not the mission. Yes. So that for me, that would have been a a huge one. Like I wish I had a a mentor or a coach at the time to -hmm. tell me that I did after, after a while I did. I mean, I've had a variety of coaches. I still have a coach now, Mm -hmm. but in, when I was going through that, I think that that was the hardest, one of the hardest lessons for me. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely recommend writing it down. I write everything down. So I would definitely recommend writing it down because then you can actually see and compartmentalize really what's going on. A lot of times when we start to feel overwhelmed and anxious, it's because of the thoughts in our minds, right? It's unmanaged. And we think we have to do everything right at once. And that's why we start to feel, you know, over, overextended. So once we can actually, like I said, do this data dump and put everything down on paper and actually see what's really going on, it helps to manage those erratic thoughts and the Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome and the failure because it really isn't a failure, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I would would recommend, I did do this, but I would recommend any entrepreneur out there is to get a wins journal, celebrate your wins. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say this, but you know, what, what does that really mean? I have for my entrepreneur clients, and you know my uh, my executive women, a lot of times they are so focused on that big goal that they don't take time to really recognize and acknowledge their wins. And what happens is because the whole thing becomes very daunting to them because all they can see is so far in the future and they're not achieving fast enough as much as they want. You know, at the you know the momentum isn't isn't as clear to them because they can't see it. They're blinded by the big journey. Mm-hmm. So I recommend taking a wins journal, writing down these small successes each week. What did I win at? What did I do? Well, write that down. What did I learn this week? Not what did I fail at? What did I learn? What can I take from this? Because it's it's so huge. And I like to, when I talk about celebrating wins, I like to use the analogy of when you're going to the gym or you've decided to work out, right? And you start to see physical changes in your body Mm -hmm. that motivates you, right? Mm-hmm. Right. We see it. We're like, yes, I like the way I'm looking. I'm going to keep mm-hmm. doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what small wins, you know, emotional, mental can do for you. If you take a second to say, okay, I did this wonderful today. You're like, I'm going to sit down and celebrate. I'm going to anchor in what I'm feeling right now. That's going to keep you motivated to help you keep the self self-discipline and the motivation to keep going forward. If you miss that part, it's going to become a very long, daunting experience for you. And it's not just about the destination, right? It's also about the journey. Oh, those are amazing. And just to go back on the failure one, I think Mm -hmm. too, it's so important what you said, writing it down. Because a lot of times I know, like, for instance, especially if you're a recovering perfectionist like me, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, people please are perfectionists, all that. All the things. (laughs) There's a theme going here. (laughs) I see it. You're my tribe. (laughs) We connect. Um, but I think too, I love what you said, writing it down, writing down, like getting it out of your head too, because a lot of times, especially in the entrepreneurial world, you are going to have failures, but it's not a fail. It's just a step next to the next step. And um, Sarah Blankley, I think I'm saying her last name, right? The one that mm-hmm. invented Spanx. Mm-hmm. I loved, I heard on a podcast once 
she had said that she, her dad, every night at the dinner table would have them talk about their failures and he would get upset if they didn't have anything they failed at. And it just reframed that mindset around being a, like failing at something. And I think too, as an entrepreneur, you don't want to be failing. Of course not. But it's also right. just, you have more information now that you can use for the next thing. And you're able to navigate that. But I love writing it down. I, I never really even thought of that. Um, so that was helpful for me too. Awesome. <laughs> um, because, you know, I fail all the time, but I've like learned yeah. to deal with it. But I think it's just getting it out of your brain. It does something pen to paper or even in your note section on your phone. But having like a journal that's tangible, I think is an amazing um, tip as well. And celebrating the wins. I don't think we do that enough because it's just like, oh, the next thing, the next thing. Right. Just got to move through it. But really taking that time to acknowledge it, I think is so important. So these are phenomenal. Um, Thank you. What? When you look at your life, because I know you're a mother, I know you're a wife, I know you're a business owner, you do so many things. How do you integrate everything into motherhood, entrepreneurship, life, everything you do? Oh, that's a big question, right? Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> so um, I was failing at that in the beginning, as I was saying, you know, when I was just trying to build my business and, you know, burning the midnight oil. Mm -hmm. So I did have to take a step backwards, right? Because I had to realize what was important to me. And, you know, the term when they say work-life balance, like, I don't really believe like it's a balance because when you look at the wheel of life, you know, like I usually have my clients like kind of do an assessment, the wheel of life, you know, mm -hmm. you know, where are you deficient? Where, you know, where do you want to work on? Yeah. But what I've noticed is we're not going to be equ equivalent or equal in every single area of your life, right? When you want to achieve balance, it's what's important to you at that moment or in that time, because we all change. What, what was important to me in my 20s and my 30s is different now for what's important to me in my 40s. Exactly. And so for me, like I said, I had to set some boundaries and the boundaries the, I would tell you, it's so funny. Like when I was really looking at boundaries to set the biggest boundaries that I need to set with myself yeah. and I, I kept crossing my own boundaries. I'm like, I'm like okay, all right. I really gotta like crack the whip on myself because I have to set them, but yet I have to honor them. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then yeah. when I started giving too much of myself to everyone else, what I realized I kept putting myself last. Right. And a lot of people have heard it before, like in the airplane, you're supposed to put your mask on first, you know, all the things, yada, yada, yeah. but it is so true. There's so much truth to that. And mm -hmm. once I started realizing, okay, I have to put myself first because I am also important. Yeah. Then I realized that I could, like I said before, give from a place of an abundance and not scarcity because I was so deficient in so many areas. So as I mentioned to you before, I actually put a pause on doing some presentations, some yeah. podcast interview requests. Mm -hmm. It's just my time was, was depleting. I was overbooked, overworked, and I started to get exhausted. And what I realized is I didn't become a coach, a personal development coach to be exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a good work life. I believe you used the term once integration, right? A work-life yes. integration, mm -hmm. which I really like mm -hmm. because I needed to figure out what was important to me. So yes, I have my kids. I have two beautiful kids. I've been married for almost 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And so what's important to me, those are the areas that I, on my calendar, I have specific time that I block out for myself, for my family and for my business. I'm very structured and I know not a lot of people are. I'm very type A, I'm very organized. Mm -hmm. Right. And I feel like for me, I've 
not that one is better than another, but it's just understanding your personality type and what areas you're strong in, what areas you do well in Mm -hmm. and, and figure out really like what's important to you. And then how can I manage that within the time that I have? And so there's something that I like to do with my clients too, that I ask them to pay attention to your day, right? Start from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. Tell me what hours of the day do you feel most creative? Do you have the most energy? Do you feel sluggish? Are you most distracted? And then once you start to see your patterns, right? You do this for a week. You're going to see patterns of when is your prime time? Like I love doing interviews like this one in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. This is when I have the most energy and most creative and fresh, you Mm -hmm. know, all the things. But once you start to realize how you're configured and Mm -hmm. what fuels you, then I feel like then you can start to balance, if you will, out the things that are important. But without that structure and living more intentionally, this is where we lean or we go down that road of burnout, really. Because there's so many times, and I've been guilty of this for years, and I I think maybe you can relate, is we wake up and we just go about our day and we see what happens without living with more intention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Intention is so huge for me, Caroline. That Mm -hmm. completely changed my life because I was not a very patient person. I was not a patient woman. When I first had kids early in my 20s, I, I would lose my cool like that. And what I realized, again, kind of using those recycled lessons I learned, right? That was the household I, I grew up in. You mm-hmm. know, I um, I realized that this is not the woman I want to be. This is not the mom I want to be. And so how to change? And that is the biggest question that women, especially on connection calls, are like, I, I don't know how to change. Yeah. Or they, they're not even aware. Like the self-awareness mm-hmm. is always, always the first step. We can't make changes <laughs> if we're not even aware of what's happening. 100%. 100%. <laughs> But for me, um, just a quick little story with being more intentional, I wasn't patient and I wanted to become patient because when I would lose my cool, my anxiety, panic attacks, like you name it, it was a whirlwind and I wasn't happy and I didn't know how to change that. As soon as I started setting an intention of who I wanted to be, then I, I slowly over time became that woman. You ask my kids now, you know, when was the last time you heard your mom raise her voice or lose her cool? They can't even tell you because it's, it's, I'm such a different person. So a tip for, I know it's not necessarily an entrepreneurial tip. I mean, but it could be, but just personal development in general for anyone out there listening, decide who you want to be when you wake up in the morning. Do I want to be a patient person? Do I want to be a more confident person? Just decide what's important to you. And then everything that comes your way that day, respond in that manner, become that person. And over time you will be that person. So that's one of the things that I help my clients with, with their mic, their mindset, their image, and their confidence is setting that intention. So you can show up as the person that you want to be, because as we all know, right? Like 7% of communication is verbal seven. Yeah. 7%. Yeah. So 93% is nonverbal. So, right. And then first impressions, you know, people make first impression judgments like this, and it's not the first time you speak, it's the first time you're seen. And so that has to do with your presence, your aura, all of those good things. And so when you can come from a good place and you're happy with who you are, you show up so much differently in this world. So I love that. (laughs) That, that was needed. That that tip was very needed because I do think we have the ability to change, but you're right. It comes to self-awareness to know that something needs to change, but really being honest with ourselves and showing up as such. 
So, oh, I've been Thank loving you. this conversation. Yes. And we're going to jump into the rapid fire questions if you're ready for them. Yes. All right. Let's do this. <laughs> what motivates you to work smarter? To work smarter. Hmm. Well, you know, a big thing for me is really my kids, right? And honestly, like even going back to the entrepreneurial journey is knowing your why. And my why is my kids. I wanted to show them even later on in life that if there's something that you want, you can do it. You can achieve it, right? Because I was in corporate America for so long. And then I decided to go out on my own midlife and it was scary, but it's okay. It can be scary. Do it anyways, right? Yes, We can do it messy and it doesn't have to be perfect. And so that is what actually motivates me is to see that next generation take some lessons from my journey and my perspective and be able to implement that in their lives. Because my husband and I, we always say that we want our kids to look at life as our ceiling is their floor. So the highest that we can achieve, that's their stepping point. And we want to be able to give that to them. I love that analogy. It's thank you. It's true. It's true. We want everything better for the next generation. And like we learn new information and being able to, I love that. goal. Thank (laughs) you. That is the goal. (laughs) And if you were a superhero, what would be your power powers? Oh, this is always such a fun question. I want to know yours too. But for me, um, I always thought that mind control would be pretty yeah. cool. That would be, <laughs> cool. that would be so cool. But quite honestly, and let me see if I can say this right, if I can articulate it right. But mind control in a sense that I would love to be able to have the ability to let people see themselves as someone who loves them, sees them. Mm -hmm. meaning that it's so hard for so many women and probably so many men too, Mm -hmm. just people in general to love themselves. We can't, it's so hard to look at ourselves through the eyes of other people because we we're so overly critical of ourselves. So I would love to be able to show people how they're someone who loves them, looks at them so that they can feel that warmth. They can feel that energy, because if people love themselves more, they would come from a different place, from a higher vibration. And I just think the world would be overall just nicer and kinder. Oh, I love that. that. That's, I think people would see so much, so many differences too, of just how yes. you're right. Like how people view them. I think it's okay. Right? Yes. Because so many times people are like, oh, I, and I've heard people do it. And mm. I, I used to do it when I was younger, but oh, you're so stupid. Like when you make a mistake. Yeah, You know, you you say this, right. And language is so powerful. So to be able to not view yourself, because if it was a friend, you would never be like, oh, you made a mistake. You're so stupid. Right. Like you wouldn't say that. Never. Never. (laughs) Okay. Before the next question though, what would be your superpower? Um, You know, I've thought about this and I think part of like, I I love the idea of teleporting, but the real superpower I'd want is to be able to give the superpower to everybody that I've interviewed so far, like be able <laughs> to like have them do that because it's just bringing more good in the world too. And oh, I, I love that. That's what I would do. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. And what is the most daring thing you've ever done? The most daring thing I've ever done, quite honestly, is allowing myself and giving my per- permission to myself to be myself. Mm because I didn't know who I was. I was really lost for a very long time trying to fit in everyone else's box just because I needed love and I wanted to feel worthy and accepted. And I did that for so long. Like I almost could get emotional still about it, but 
being able to just really step into my true authenticity, I feel was so scary because I felt like I would no longer get the love that I was getting, you know, on the same level. But, and, and I have noticed that my circle has gotten smaller and for me right now, it's more quality over quantity. And I am so okay with that, but loving who I am is so important. And to me, that was the most daring thing that I've ever done. And that's why it's so important for me to teach others how to do that too. Leading by example. Yes, ma'am. hundred <laughs> percent. And what is the phone app that you use the most? phone app. Okay. So it's a tie between Facebook because <laughs> I do a lot of posting on there, Facebook yeah. and my notes app actually mm. on my mm -hmm. iPhone, because I write everything down. Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. If I have a thought, if there's something that I want to research more or, you know, an idea, anything I'm always like, I have, I don't even know, like 10,000 notes to tell you like, and I take notes every time I'm listening to a podcast or what have you, because you can learn something from everything. It's just, you have to go into it with an open mind and an open heart, but for sure. Open-minded. That's what it's about. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> and so if you were to have a movie about your life thus far, who would play you? You know, this is a hard one. Um, you know, I actually pulled a couple of my friends and I was hoping for some overlap. There was no overlap. <laughs> there was not one, like it, the array. It was just crazy. One of my dearest friends, she's been telling me for over 20 years, uh, Frida Pinto, that she could, you know, like we look alike. Yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily see it, but I would say, so I think Eva Mendez just because mm. like she yeah. is so charismatic and she has like big energy, big smile. I don't know. I feel like maybe she would be, she would do very well playing me in the story of my life. I could see it energetically and everything. There's some similarities too, look wise, but. Oh, thank you. Now I have to ask you too, who would play you? Oh, no one's ever asked me. <laughs> I'm oh. like, who would play me? I know. Um, it's a great question. Hmm. Mila Kunis, maybe? Oh. Oh, I, I would take that. That's like an honor. Yeah, <laughs> I love her. I love her yeah. energy too. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. There, there we go. Some similarities. <laughs> some energetically, some most definitely. <laughs> and she's an incredible woman too. She really is. Thank you for that. <laughs> so, if you had to describe yourself as an animal, personality type, style, what animal would you be? Hmm, what animal would I be? Well, you know, my kids joke around with me and because during Christmas, my house is full of reindeer. I love, love, love reindeer. So they always tell me my spirit animal is a deer. And, and I, and I get that too, because like deers are known for, you know, like determination, love, grace, generosity, things like that. So, so I'd say a deer. I think that's a good one. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I get some deer ears or something. Yeah. And so if you have a day off, what is your favorite way to spend that day off? Oh, so it changes, right? It just kind of depends on my mood. But the biggest thing, as far as my favorite way to spend the day is not being bound by time. I don't want to look at my watch. I don't want to know what time it is because life is so busy, right? And I'm yeah. very structured usually. It's like at this time, this time, my watch actually keeps me very structured because it tells me the next thing that I have to do. So my favorite way to spend the day is if I'm being out with friends, not looking at the time, or if it's a day where I just want a day of solitude, not looking at the time. So mm -hmm. anything, just not looking at the time. 
it's a very freeing thought and feeling as well. Not having to be like, oh, wait, where do I have to be? What time is it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I can relate. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't get that very often. So that is my, my favorite way. Well, I'm glad that days you do get it. Hopefully you get them more than not, but (laughs) I schedule, I actually schedule my, my days, um, like that. Like today, today I've scheduled some time, some personal time for myself for some, uh, connection with family and friends. So as an entrepreneur, I also think that that is a good tip to make sure you schedule your downtime, because if you don't, it's going to get exhausting very quickly. You won't have downtime if you don't yeah. schedule it. If you don't schedule it, you won't, right? Because there's always something to do. Absolutely. It never ends. <laughs> but that's why yeah. it's important. So what is something an outsider wouldn't know about your industry? Something an outsider wouldn't know about my industry. So I am in the coaching industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say that maybe there's a big misconception. Mm-hmm. So in my network right now, there, I have a lot of coach friends, a lot of coach peers, such as yourself, and we're very familiar with the industry, mm-hmm. but I have noticed that people who have never even heard the term, term coaching, mm-hmm. one, they get it confused with counseling. Mm-hmm. They think that it's therapy, which in fact it is not. Um, it can be therapeutic, but mm-hmm. it is not. And you're on both sides because, because of, you know, the psychology degree mm-hmm. and, you know, so you've done both. Mm-hmm. It can be therapeutic, but it's not therapy. Mm -hmm. But the second thing really is that I found that some people think that if you're a life coach, if that's your term or your, your title rather, that they think that you have it all figured out or you have this perfect life and that you're a positive hundred percent of the time and nothing ever goes bad. When in fact, that's not the case at all. I've had, you know, some people say that to me, oh, so what gives you the right to tell others how to live their life? Like your life is so perfect. And that was a very negative comment indeed, but, but it's not even about that. I have my days. I have, I have really low moments. Sometimes, you know, life happens. It's not about not having these days and not acknowledging, you know, sad or negative unwanted emotions. It's about knowing how to deal with them and how to process them. And coaching is about giving you the tools to do so. So if there is a coach in any capacity, they have the tools and that's what coaching is about. It's not about avoiding the storm. It's learning how to steer the ship in the storm. And so I think that that is something, someone who isn't familiar with life coaching, that that is something that they may not understand about the process. Mm, That's a good one. It's so true because a lot of people think it's similar to therapy or they think your life is perfect when in reality- you're going with the tools you have and you're practicing it, but also you're helping others at the same time in different capacities. You might be a few steps ahead of them. Right, right, 100%. And and that's the thing that I would love for everyone who isn't necessarily familiar with coaching or understanding, you know, what it's about, you know, therapy, we're talking about things in the past, you know, there, there's a lot of healing and you could probably talk a lot more eloquently than I can about um, therapy, but that's a lot of, you know, past facing, whereas coaching is very forward facing. Sometimes we do have to touch on things in the past and your ability to heal and accept and embrace so that you can propel forward. But the two are very different, very, very different. Yes. You said it beautifully. It's true. Um, but where can people find you, Rita? Where can, um, where the, can they hire you? We're going to link everything below, but if you could let us right. know too. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for this opportunity and the platform to, to get in front of your audience. So my name is Rita and that's Rita with a D, Rita Boksh. 
but my website is iwasthatgirl.com. And a big part of that is because I am helping the woman that I was. So that's a very easy way to find my website, but I am most active on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, I actually run a free empowerment group for women. And so I love having this, uh, this platform for women to be able to join my group, join the community with a lot of like-minded women who want to learn and grow together. And so coaching, as you know, is a premium service. And so for people who may not be ready um, emotionally, mentally, or even financially, this is a great place to start to get a feel of what it feels like to start to change your mind, your mindset. So you can definitely find me um, on Facebook. Again, my name is Rita, R-I-D-A, Bach, and I'm sure you'll have the spelling down in the show notes. And then please do, women, uh, I would invite you to join the Empowerment Coaching Collective. Come on and take a look, and I'd love to see you inside. Thank you so much, Rita, for just coming on, sharing all your wisdom, all the ups, downs, everything in between. It's such a pleasure to see you again. It's been a while, um, but I'm so glad we get to share you with my audience as well so they can get to meet you and your beautiful energy and soul. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, Dr. Caroline. This was a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Of course. Thank you. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from Rita today? I'm sure she would love to see that comment as well. And we'll see you on the next video.